Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. So like I said before, we're going into the series Living with Expectation, Bold Women of Faith in Scripture. Uh, I think it's so much that you can learn from those who had to move through a patriarchal society and still posture their heart before the Lord and still speak out in times when it was probably much easier to be silent. But to walk with this expectation that there was a king coming, there was a kingdom coming, and that they could see it many times before others could. And that's why I think this is important, that the voices of women in church are very valued and honored, because I believe that prophetically women have a way of hearing God that's very unique. And in environments where the Holy Spirit is moving, and that God is doing things that is amazing, and His fruit happening all over the place, I think a key part of it is women really rising into the place that God has called them to be in. Amen? I think this goes beyond just complementarianism and egalitarianism. It goes into uh, many times men need to follow women in in the way that they hear the Lord. And so as we're going through this, this is, I believe it's a lesson for all of us to begin to... um, to understand those who who walked in scripture. So for us, it it takes us to a place where our hope and expectation can now be healed and it can begin to be reformed and allows us to look forward to good things. You know, how long have we been bracing for bad things? Beyond the pandemic, beyond like, okay, here we're going to lock down again. All right, let me huddle up Ah, to take the next thing. Uh, No matter what it, it, it may be, like we've been bracing for bad things to happen. But what, what does it mean that we expect good things? We expect, expect the promises of God to manifest, not us to always be having experience a setback and manage a setback and like, oh, you know, when things get normal again, then I'll begin to go forward and I'll begin to expand um, the kingdom. I'll begin to love people the way God has loved me, has loved me. but there's a place that we can do it right now. So this week we're going to be talking about Hannah, a woman of great hunger and prayer who saw God break into history and transform Israel's history because of her prayers. Now this is wonderful. We read back to the scripture and it just seems like, you know, people going through life and things they just really desire. She really desired a son more than anything. Now, she wasn't a widow. She had a husband. His name was Elkanah, but She wanted a son. That's how your line goes forward. That's how you begin to build a legacy of those who are going to come after you. And Elkanah had another wife, and his other wife had plenty of sons, and they used to tease Hannah because she had none. But she went before the Lord constantly. Think of the persistent widow in Scripture that Jesus talks about who just continues to knock at the door. I believe this is a place of intercession that God has given us, where he has given us promises, and everything around it looks like that it is not going to (laughs) happen. Abraham's loins were as good as dead, but he believed the promises that God had given him. How many times do things in our lives look 
dead in the water. It's like it's not happening. Everybody believes it's not happening, and you would not be blamed for walking away at that point. Everybody would be like, you know, I understand. I get it. It looks like an impossibility. You're never having a child. You should walk away from it. But the implications of her prayers are great. You talk about 400 years without a major prophet. 400 years without God's word being made consistently from Moses to Samuel. There was only Deborah who spoke the word of the Lord in the way that she did. 400 years. So her prayers for a son produced a prophet, a prophet that then gave birth to other prophets who came after him. So Elijah, Elisha, all the, all the ones who came after Jeremiah, some of the other ones, Amos, all came after Samuel. Why did they come after Samuel? Because of Hannah's prayers for him to be born. Little did she know she was breaking into history as a mighty woman of God to change and transform. And I believe there are some beautiful lessons from her life. So we're going to start at 1 Samuel 8, um, 1 through 18, or so, sorry, 1 Samuel 8 through 18. 1 Samuel 1, 8 through 18, sorry. It's kind of a long passage, so bear with me. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? You being bold, homie, you ain't that good. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put the wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 18. This is amazing that there may be things that God has put on your heart that are not just for you, right? They're not just promises that he's given you that may seem very personal. You're like, ooh, I want this. I, God has created me. This is something I believe I should have. But there is a legacy and an impact that goes on for generations and generations and generations. She sure as rain took her son when he was born and of age to Eli the priest. And he began to be raised and trained in prophecy. He was born into the house of Levi, which means that he was already born into a priesthood. But he went to Eli and began to hear the voice of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord, begins this, like God hadn't spoke to anybody majorly in hundreds of years. 
and calls Samuel. And it's even recorded in 1 Samuel how Eli, the priest, was wicked and his sons were wicked. God had been waiting for centuries to give somebody his precious word that we blame God for so much that's going on in the world. How much does he want to solve, but he doesn't have anybody who's willing or anybody's heart who has been purified before him in his presence. And he just waits and he waits and he waits. And this woman has to press through the impossibility of not having a child and gives birth to Samuel, who then, as we know, anoints Saul and he anoints David. And Jesus even calls himself the son of David and is anointed in that same line. This is ridiculous that she set off this chain of events through her persistent prayer to receive a gift that she felt God had put in her heart, a desire that God had given her, and began to change and transform history. Other women that we're going to talk about are also in this line. We talk about Ruth. We talk about Rahab, but all in the line of Jesus. Jesus took the prostitute that was Rahab and placed her in the line of Jesus because she understood what Israel was doing and she understood the times she was in. How do we deal with disappointment? Oh, man, disappointment can form our relationship with God. Dang, man, how does it work that way? Because... God gets all the blame for everything that's innocuous, you know what I'm saying? Things that we can't exactly form the meaning to or why it happened. Why didn't this person get healed? Oh, God didn't want him to get healed. You know what I'm saying? Why is this person in poverty? You know, it's because God doesn't care and he wants him there. Ultimately, he gets the blame. And that disappointment can form our relationship with God. I was hoping for this thing to happen. Oh, man, and it didn't happen. Now I'm disappointed. So now I have a disappointing relationship with God. And then we have a, a relationships with people where we're just waiting for them to disappoint us. Because I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, they're just going to disappoint me. So why should I even trust anybody, right? And in that kind of environment, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the enemy loves when our worlds get small because we're very easy to attack outside of community. 400 years between Moses and Samuel. But imagine our hearts being in a place where disappointment is not even, fear of disappointment is not even an option. That we believe that God has good things in store for us and nothing can take us from the right or left of his promises. Disappointment was Hannah. It was every month she experienced disappointment of not being with child. Every single month. Just the same as Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years until they had, had a child. Hannah consistently experienced this. Like, okay, what am I going to, okay, he's not, I'm not having him. Okay, I'm not having it this time. I'm not, but those who can experience disappointment and keep the promises of God in front of them will see God gloriously establish their life and establish their legacy. That determination, oh, that was, that's amazing. I wish I was as determined as she was or as determined as my son to get candy when I take him to the store. I'm like, dude, we're going, you know, I'm trying to do it like my parents used to do me. We're going in the store. You're not getting anything. He's like, okay, dad, goes in. Can I have this? 
and proceeds to like throw a fit if I don't give it to him. I'm like, dude, man, okay, you're very determined. Every time he does that too. And I'm like, we, we just give up on things so easily, but kids really, really love sugar. Why? why? They just love sugar. I'm like, did I love sugar that much? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did myself. That's probably where they get it from. But just deter- that determination to like, I am not going to let you go till you bless me, Lord. Like that, that is a, it, it's something that comes from deep within us, a hunger to know that God, you can build a house on his promises. You can build, it's a, it's a foundation that is unshakable. But many times we give up before the promise happens. This desire that he's put in our heart. We would rather situations happen. We're like, man, you know, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe I was just like tweaking a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that, that wasn't really what he meant when he said, I will bless you and your, your family. I will give you an inheritance. I will bring this person into your life. I will heal this part of your life. Maybe he didn't really mean it that way. And I'm so used to being disappointed. That's all this world can do is disappoint me. So I'm just not going to trust anymore. But there's a place of laying our life, laying on a line what didn't even exist yet. The audacity of Hannah to, to sacrifice this child that she didn't have yet. The audacity to do that. This shows you how firm her foundation was upon the Lord. Being bitter in soul and weeping and understanding that we have a hope that exists. And, and it's just people in scripture who tapped into this legacy beyond the place they were living. They were, they were living. It was people who could see Christ far before he ever made his appearance on earth. There were those who could understand that they, as long as they have God, that they have a hope that doesn't disappoint. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And knowing that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Dang, that is amazing. We have a hope that doesn't disappoint. Our hope in Christ cannot disappoint. We touched on this a few weeks ago, and I was saying that while this is living with expectation, bold women of faith in Scripture, if it was a subtitle, it would be dealing with disappointment. If it was another subtitle, it would be holding on to your promises that God has given you. Something that all these women did amazingly that the crazy question is if she hadn't persevered where would Jesus's line be if she hadn't persevered where when would a prophet come who could anoint a king who could be in that line of Jesus like all this stuff seems very precarious for God to stake something so important upon a hunger of one person bringing that to earth. Like, that is ridiculous. 
is not the way that we would do it. This is this precious line of Jesus. We would protect it. We would put it in a bank somewhere. We would like talk to a person 50 million times and make sure they were exactly going to do this and that we wouldn't even pick someone who couldn't bear a child. Why? This is a beautiful story of God like needing to work with us and needing to work through us. He will not do a work on earth if it is not with someone else. Why? He desires to be with us more than anything else. He put desires in our heart, so hopefully it'll lead us to be closer to him. Because that's what's necessary for those desires to manifest. He desires and loves to be with us. Our hope does not disappoint. My fact that I've gone through disappointment meant I put my hope in the wrong thing. I put my hope in this certain thing working out that was very temporal. It was very material. It wasn't made of the substance, the eternal substance of God given us through the Holy Spirit. And it's a risky life we live. That we have gone through things, but yet and still we get to trust God again. We get to step out and risk again by trusting and loving him. And that's, I don't blame anybody by expecting negative things to come from church, right? Imagine what has happened to people who have been here for the last decade, in this church in particular, the last decade or the last five years or the last two years. You have seen all manner of hell, right? You've seen leaders walk away from, not just from the church, from the Lord. You've seen people move away. You've seen, gone through a global pandemic. You have experienced some very difficult things. And it is risky to trust and to love again and to believe God's promises are going to happen again in this neighborhood, in this city. It is very risky. But then again, we have a hope that doesn't disappoint. And isn't it amazing that all the fruit that grows, it grows on a limb? You know what I'm saying? It grows out there. It doesn't grow near the safety of the trunk. (laughs) And all the fruit grows out on a limb. And I've been through church hurts. I've been through situations where I'm like, I don't even want to go to church anymore. I don't even want to be in that place. How could I worship God after all this stuff that has happened? People haven't had the best things in mind for me. How could I possibly do that, Lord? And God is like, my hope doesn't disappoint. Trust and love me. And you will not see any disappointment whatsoever. Now it's time for us to begin to step out of the isolation of the pandemic. We have to step out of our time of believing our world exists only between our two ears and between all of our wants and desires and the distance between our encouragement and our disappointment, but understanding that God has created us to give into this world, to be generous, to let people know there is a hope in Christ. The revelation for me this week is that love is not the goal. It sounds good, right? 
It's, it's a very accessible phrase. Love is the goal. You know, we just want to love people. No. People are going to hell. Salvation is the goal. Love ain't the goal. Love is the means, right? You can love people into, into a relationship with Jesus. You can love people, but ultimately our goal is to show people Christ in a hope that does not disappoint when every relationship will begin to do so. And that's why the process of true love makes one put their heart on the line over and over and over again. That you have been hurt, you have been disappointed, but that's what love does. We confront the fear that you know this is going to happen again. You know what I'm saying? Bam is going to move to Colorado. Hell no, I ain't moving to Colorado. <laughs> or he's just going to lull us into a sin. And he's, all right, this is a fear. He's going he's gonna to do the same thing. I know. All right, I'm just not going to trust. I'm going to hold everything at a arm's length. Because then I'm safe, right? But love always risks. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in his world will keep it for eternal life. Doesn't that sound like isolation, right? That if we don't give our life away, it stays alone and doesn't produce much grain. This is the life we live. There is no other way for us to get to health and abundance as believers. This is what we are made of. It is in our very DNA to generously risk and sacrifice and follow Jesus with everything we have in our heart. If we begin to partition it off and take bits of it, then maybe, I don't know, how our promises are going to work out. Hannah, seeing a glimpse of Christ, was placed as a part of Christ's story. That is ridiculous. That all these promises that people had to hold on to through and with sacrifice. What are we willing to give up? And the only thing God is asking us to give up is our hurt and our disappointment in exchange for a hope that doesn't disappoint. Just as the same way when we come into the kingdom and we give our life to Jesus, it is an exchange. We're receiving his life we're receiving his salvation, his forgiveness, and giving what we have had. This is how we live in a constant place of expectation, on the edge of our seats. What good thing is, is going to happen today? <laughs> when we've been in a place of bracing for bad things to happen. Oh, man, see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. You know our, our expectation manifests? around us, right? Every, in faith, Hebrews 11, 
Everything that is seen comes from what is unseen. We just love to be made right when bad things happen. But God is here to give us the beauty of the kingdom. You guys want to stand up? Put your hand on your heart. We're just going to go after this, the healing of hurt and disappointment so that we can hope again and expect again. And every day can feel like the next day is Christmas. You know that feeling where you're like, I know something good is going to happen, right? Oh, you know, I know something good has happened because the, uh, is it too early to be talking about Christmas? No, it's not. He's like, I know something good is going to happen because it's the Christmas spirit. No, that's not the Christmas spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's get that. Let's get that straight. Not the Christmas spirit, the Holy Spirit. And do you know you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? That means every single day can be like Christmas. Every single day you can expect the goodness of God to happen, but we have to weed through that hurt and disappointment and ask God to remove it and heal it in our hearts so that we can walk forward. I pray for every heart right now, God, that has experienced disappointment and experienced hurt. And I know that's every one of us, right? Because disappointment is a part of the human experience, Lord Jesus. But I pray for your healing to happen right now in Jesus' name. That we will put our faith and our trust in a hope that does not disappoint. That we would be hungry to see your, your, um, your promises manifest before us. That we will love with everything that has in us, that we would begin even, as it says, to glory in tribulations. Aha, yes, it's raining outside. Yes, it's a monsoon. I know God has built me for this. I know God has created me to overcome this obstacle. And I know this testimony is going to bring him so much joy and bring him so much glory. So I thank you, Father, for each and every person as we begin to hope again, as we begin to desire again the promises that you put in our heart, God, because you have created us to walk with you in the cool of the garden. You have created us for yourself, that you would use us to change history, God, that you would use us to change our family, that you would use us to begin to change our, our legacy, Lord Jesus. But first, heal our hurts and disappointment. And we are so thankful for you, God, and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.